0: Are those old janky speakers on my older laptop? These ones are loud. On this episode of the Heat Check, <laughs> the entire basketball world mourns the passing of the late, great Bill Russell. Also, another legend was lost last night, the great Vince Scully. Uh, we also discussed the explosive growth of the Pro-Am circuit why this is a really good thing for the game of basketball. We talk a little bit about Team France and why Rudy Gobert and Evan Fournier continue to be shady as fuck. Uh, And we also get into some news from around the league. To the guy in my YouTube section telling me not to cuss because it's a bit and you've got seven-year-olds in the car, what I have to say to you is, thank you so much for listening to me in the car. I'm not stopping cussing, though. Let's drop that motherfucking beat. You have to hear the, if you're listening to it on your car, you're not watching it. So you went on the YouTube to leave a comment because that was the only place that you could have the comment. So that's a double screen viewing experience. That's two listens. Anyway, (laughs) just was thinking that through on the fly. I should have responded back, but there was a lot of other people in my comment section that was like, bro, she's never going to see this. And it was the first time I've read the comment section in so long, and I was like, you know what? Let me make sure other people think I'm important enough that I don't have enough time to read my own comment section. (laughs) (laughs) Secret time. I am not that important. If you are... Let's get this shit rolling. Let's for real, for real. So... If you're anywhere within a planet's distance of the NBA space, you understand Bill Russell and how legendary, how important he was uh, to this space. To not only the game from the player's perspective, not only the game from an explosion, but just activism and civil rights and continuing to push the ball forward on the same level of, uh, of, say, a Muhammad Ali. Uh, So I have to take a moment to pay respects to the late, great Bill Russell, 88 years old, which I feel like he looked older than that. (laughs) He did. I was like, dang, I thought you had another 10 years, though, in you. Because it just felt like Bill Russell had been around no matter what documentary, no matter what moment that we shed light on the NBA, what cornerstone 75 50 he's in the mix of that and he's the guy yeah and I've been thinking a little bit about Russell because I've been thinking a lot about the fact that we just continue to resurface the greatest of all time debate over and over and over and I had just watched they call me magic and how good magic was from the time he was a rookie until he was diagnosed with HIV and one could say that if magic never went down, there's a real argument to be made in terms of what he could do on the basketball court for him to be the greatest of all time and even what he did from a branding perspective, shaping and and paving the way for guys like Michael Jordan. Even Michael Jordan was on that documentary and said, it wasn't me that became a huge international pop star. It was magic first. But... It's always almost MJ and Braun. That's the two. Sometimes you get some delusional Laker fan bringing up Kobe, and, and you know, that's what that is. But when when you wonder about, okay, what is the criteria of greatest of all time, and so many people bring up MJ because he has won more than Braun, then you have to say, okay, well, then winning must be the only or the main criterion that we use to hold up the standard no if we're using that then there is no debate if we use winning and winning alone outside of the things that you've done on the court your skills etc there's only one answer and the answer is bill russell dude went won every single level everywhere he went everywhere. He won state titles his last two years in high school. He went to a 14-7 and school, the San Francisco Dons team, and proceeded to go 57-1 consecutive national titles. What? Traded on draft night to the Celtics for a six-time All-Star, Ed McCauley, and another player in what sports historian consider to be the most important trade in sports history. Why? Because Bill Russell came around and just won it his rookie year. Yes, won it his first year, won it his last year, and won nine in between. 11 rings in 13 years. 11 rings in a 13-year playing career. And those final two championships, he actually coached the Celtics as the first black head coach in NBA history. So if you count his coaching titles as double rings, he ended up with 13 rings in 13 years. The player-coach thing is wild. That's just such a... Interesting phenomenon. And for those who say that these guys back in the day couldn't play in today's NBA, keep in mind this little nugget, this little fact. Bill Russell was a world-class high jumper who ran a sub-52nd 400-meter in 1959 on a pair of low-top chucks. The low-top chucks part is important, I feel. I feel that that's a critical distinction between we've got hokas, is that what they called hokas? Hokawawans, Wagawan and the Nike Wagawan. <laughs> yes, we've got the Hokas, we've got Nikes, we've got this, we've got that. This man's literally playing basketball and running and high jumping and some shit that I wear casually and almost sprain my ankle just walking still struggling to get the job done in those shoes just living life this man used low top chucks as a performance shoe not too many people could do this now and no many not too many people could do that at six feet ten by the way when you think about paulo ben and bill russell being the same height that's that's fucking crazy so yeah Take that GOAT argument, slice it, dice it, and get the fuck out of here. If winning a title is what matters in basketball, then Bill Russell should at least be mentioned in the debate, especially now that the late great is late and great. Rest in peace to the greatest winner in basketball history, Bill Russell. Never got to meet you. Wish I did. I've seen you across the way. Wish I would have said hi. Smith before he slapped the shit out of someone? <laughs> I remember when Will Smith did music without curse words and Jazzy Jeff and we were like man Will Smith's so straight edge he's such a good guy and then he got into a what was it called an entanglement love some summertime this is one of my favorite songs in life My first time going to the Drew League was in 2016, and I think I said this on former pods before, but the head of the Drew League sat me down and was like, what's your plan here? You know, this is a community. We take everything and everyone that's a part of this in an official capacity very seriously. If we're going to credential you, we need to make sure that your heart's in the right place. And I love the Drew League. The Drew League is one of the most pure, pure environments for what makes basketball elite. The vibe of whatever the capacity is times one and a half X. Where people are in standing room only, they're on the baseline, they're crowding around. It's like you've rushed the court, but that's just what it is, you know, while the game's going on. That environment's very intense, and it's pure, and it's happy and joyous, and it's a place for people in underserved communities to go and get access to players that they may never get access to, or at least get that close to, maybe in life. It's it's free. It's a free event. And I've seen this blow up. And just like Summer League, the Drew is now being broadcast on NBA TV, on a streaming capacity, and on television. Bron, LeBron James and DeMar DeRozan made cameos right after the Summer League. Actually, it was in the middle of the Summer League or right at the tail end. That got all the national attention and then got a lot of people going and playing in the Drew League as Okay, I want to do that too. And so I was thinking about this—the this summer exhibition series, the pro-am circuit—and and what I like about it. Whether it's Kevin Durant at Rucker, crossover in Seattle with crawl like crossover like uh, like a stick in your crawl, or like Jamal Jamal Crawford because it's his event, the TBT even the TBT which is amateurs. What I love about this uh, Peach Jam in Atlanta—that's a U series as well—is the the business of basketball is stripped away. It's just hoops. It's the purity of the game. It's it's you know secret sauce drinks that are made with water and sugar and flavored stuff and it's popcorn for a dollar it's hot as hell outside it's a local dj and a local mc on the ones and twos it's this it's the same thing that has bothered me a little bit about summer league is is that over commercialization and so now when you see the drew that has not gotten over commercialized when you see the crossover it's essentially the entire month of july is this beautiful game the purity of the game and the pro-ams like i said i think it's it's where basketball lives and breathes it's almost like a oh this is what we do this for we're not worrying about whether our contracts are going to be up or whether we're going to get benched for nutmegging someone or the joy of the game is there and it brings us back to the reason that I think we love hoops in the first place for me which is why we saw Trey Young in in absolute elation with John Collins a man who The Athletic has been telling us for the last 3 years he can't fucking stand right? A guy, rumors are like he's not close with him. You could have fooled me at the crossover. Him, DeJounte Murray, DeJounte Murray, native of Seattle, going to the crossover with his two new teammates, and they're experimenting. They're laughing. They're just doing whatever feels right. DeJounte Murray, hammer, dunk, lobs, this, that, street ball mixed with indoor mixed with summertime. DeJounte, after that game, explained why so many NBA players are now choosing to play in these pro This is what he said. To my NBA brothers, if you're happy and you love hooping, man, get out to these pro so these kids and people who can't afford to see us be able to see us for free. We ain't too big for that shit. If LeBron James can do the Drew League, then nobody is exempt for playing in these programs. Everyone should stop through and make an appearance and show love. And it's more than the veterans as well, which I think is really cool as well. Paolo Bancaro, also local native of Seattle, comes in, goes to the crossover, drops 50. Yeah, I'm about that. Chet Holmgren shows the world. I'm not going to back down from any of these men. I am seven feet tall and 125 pounds soaking wet. And you know what? I'm going to put my big-ass chain on that's going to weigh me down like 15 more pounds so I can take these hits. I'm going to wear my OKC hat, and I'm going to post up, and I'm going to play hoops. You've got Jaden McDaniel, who put up 52. 52 for Jaden McDaniel. That's the one that the Minnesota Timberwolves wouldn't, wouldn't trade. Now we know why. And so whether it's the Peach Jam for the up-and-coming high schoolers. The Summer League, the TBT at Rucker, Drew League crossover. It's hot weather. No school. Just hoops. About as pure as the game gets. Players are out of season. Kids are basically out of their season. And there's no pressure. The vibes are immaculate. Time to just get with your friends. Watch some basketball. No stress. Keep your game sharp, stay in condition, and show love to the community that has essentially been the only ones that can't come and see you when you're doing what you do. And I think that's, for me, is where I fell in love with hoops, is that outside vibe, barbecues, you know, DJ Jazzy Jeff and Will Smith before he slaps the shit out of people, and, you know, dogs out, you know, and babies running around on the grass with blankets and big speakers and just hot slap your mama hot weather and squirt and flaming hot Cheetos and that vibe is just irreplaceable that's that's nostalgia that's childhood that's why we love this shit the business t- side is just a little bit too much and I think Kevin Durant knows that where he just wants to hoop the players I think they are reminded of this when they go to these programs and I think it also is something that shows you what is the benefit of it as well, which is this. Like the NFL, NBA is now a a -a 12-month-a-year sport. You're talking about, look at the schedule. So it's summer league, free agency. Well, it's it's draft, summer league, free agency, pro-ams, training camp, preseason, regular season, playoffs, finals, draft, rinse repeat there's no break the entire month of july is spent with people pulling up to these random pro-ams i think they're gonna only grow i think there's gonna be main players from their cities starting pro-ams all over the country to get people who aren't being seen by scouts seen a la beau crew style but also athletes coming in and showcasing themselves right in front, about as close as I am to Brock, my producer right now, where they can get in and feel the humanity of that sport. That's amazing. And that doesn't even count the fact that international play is happening right now, which we'll get to a little bit later. Luca took his team to the Quay 54 tourney in Paris. Giannis is about to go play in the Greek national team next week. We see Braun, Bronny, Bryce in the Lakers facility all on the same court together, little snapshot of all three of them looking like Tiger Woods and his son. It's like snapshots. Can't stop, won't stop, NBA season open for business for 365 days. And also one other point, I'll let noted philosopher Kyle Kuzma say it better than me. He said, stop analyzing pro and basketball. Yeah. Yeah, if you're being like, well, actually, uh, I felt like LeBron was a little inefficient in his one performance uh, at the Drew League. His plus-minus, uh, in, according to my uh, recollection, was a negative twenty. Fuck you! That's not what this is right now. It's like, come on! It's the guy on Twitter who was putting up bronze three-point shooting. Perf- he literally had like a splot chart, a shot chart of LeBron James at the Drew League. Get out of here with all that. Let these dudes ball. And, yes, he did that. And let's not make it more than it is. Yeah, we got got people trying to become GMs here off of scouting on Drew League. If you haven't seen the Mace interview that just came out on Million Dollars with the Game, where he absolutely cooks puffy for basically doing him completely wrong the time that he was an absolute superstar, you need to see it. I've been going back deep into the Mace discography. And uh, this song kind of reminds me of what's happening to Joel Embiid right now. Love some Mace. International basketball in full swing. And there's a developing story that is kind of a non-story, but to me, I find this to be interesting and and slightly funny so we're gonna kind of dissect it for the folks you peel back the onion on this story and you're like huh this that's that's, uh, that's interesting Joel Embiid has grown up in Cameroon right a French colony former French colony speaks French there he has requested French citizenship it has recently been accepted right And this now opens the door up for what? Joel Embiid to potentially play for the French national basketball team. Huge news. Considering that Team France is already on the come up and that Jerry West in our last interview said that he thinks that the next crop of superstars are coming by way of France. That's huge news. I mean, Joel Embiid is one of the most unstoppable players on the planet. So whatever national team he plays for, you know he's going to be a focal point, right? He probably would have played in the 2022 Euro Tournament for France if it were not for the injuries to his hand and his orbital bone. So you would think to yourself, this should be a cause for celebration within the ranks of Team France. They should all celebrate having someone this dominant, potentially on their squad. Got a guy who might have won two MVPs if he wouldn't have been hurt. And adding him to a team of Rudy Gobert, Evan Fournier. Evan Fournier is very good in French play. You know, I cook him all the time. Very good in French play. Not great other places, but good there. Frank Nilikina, Victor Wambayama, who may be the next huge thing in the NBA next year in the 2023 draft, probably going to go number one. Joe Allenby makes his team a monster, No. Remember, they narrowly lost, Team France did, to Team USA in the Olympics, 87-82. I think if Joel Embiid's on that team, maybe it's a different story. Christo Saltas, who is Team France's head coach, said this. When Joel Embiid is completely selectable, whether that's for reasons about his papers or his physical condition, I don't see why I would not select him. We have, as always, as much as possible, taken the best. So this is a no-brainer, I'm thinking, as I'm reading this story. But then there are shady-ass quotes that come out from the rest of the team from a couple of key players that have me being like, hmm, why? And I, we don't like to stereotype on this show, but French culture is notorious for being notoriously closed off, shall we say. We've got our own little clique and we don't need new people coming into it. That's the attitude towards perceived outsiders. Maybe Cameroon is not French enough. Mm. Clickish, exclusionary. Maybe that's not what's going on here, but you read the quotes, read through the lines between them, and you're like, hmm. So that's when I read the comments from Evan Fournier and Rudy Gobert. I was not exactly shocked by them, but I feel that we need to call them to attention. You might think, though, even with all that exclusionary shit, if they want to win, which everyone wants to do on the national stage, if you're a citizen of any other country besides USA and you've seen USA just absolutely dominate, you're like, fuck them. What did Fournier say? Let's look. Evan Fournier, it's something that's complicated. There's so many factors and elements... When the time comes, we'll all talk to each other and we'll all make a decision. We'll see how it goes. It's not complicated, Evan Fournier. It's Joel Embiid, okay? It's not that complicated. You are who you are and he is who he is. He averaged 31 and 11 and wasn't even healthy when he put up those ungodly numbers when you were being seen as a toxic contract. Fournier then doubled down and said this. Since it's not news, we're not even thinking about it right now. He's not on the squad. He has not been called up. We'll talk about it when the time comes. Sir. Sir, the time is now. What? Then Rudy Gobert goes on to say this, which is even somehow worse than what Evan Fournier had to say. Eh, There are a lot of things to think about in regards to this. Joel's a unique player. And we already have a team that's well-knit. A group that lives well together. You have to see how it might work for the group. The gall, Rudy Gobert, for you to say we're going to have to see how his unique skill set will fit into our group, it gets even worse. He said this, as long as it sticks to our team, our chemistry and our principles of play and he is ready to adapt to us he could be a nice weapon for us could be a nice weapon no one in the history of life has ever disregarded and dismissed Joel beat as a nice piece or a nice weapon frank nilakina is a nice weapon this is the weapon this is like saying you've got a nuclear warhead which is your nice weapon? It's a nice weapon. It's like, oh, yeah, what are those shoes? Oh, they're the Travis Scott's. Mm, just nice. They're kind of nice kicks. They're like the kicks. My guys, you're going to need to rethink your whole attitude on this. It's, it's, two of the most hated players in the NBA trying to keep out Joel Embiid, who went through hell and high water to get French national citizenship so he could play on your squad that consistently underperforms against Team USA. Sir, if he wants to play, you've got no say in this. As long as you adapt to us, we might think about letting you play. Joel Embiid, Victor Wombana, and 12 other random French kids would smash you fuckers. Get out of here absolutely roll the red carpet out for joe Embiid. tell him you take everything you said back as soon as he's eligible to play he's on our team we're making him the focal point of our team no one can stop us team usa has no center that can even close to match up with joe Embiid. we're going to pound them we're going to bring the gold medal to france and restore back to the elite level that we know that we are because we know how arrogant and snobby french the french culture is so that's how snobby we think about Jo, mm, as we would think about Joel Embiid. It's like, what the, what are you talking about? Poor old Joel. He just never gets a great break. He has the worst teammates. Even teammates he doesn't even have yet are the worst. <laughs> <laughs> All he wants to do is play for his new country, and this is how he's treated. You got Fournier, who's terribly overrated, and Rudy Gobert, who. Literally got one lob a game from his teammate. Two players who I say have a bit of an image problem in the league trying to keep this man out. Come on, make it make sense, respectfully. Jesus Christ. My Lord, I'm still thinking about Rudy Gobert trying to keep Joel Embiid off of this team. It's like, it's is very offensive. Our complex scheme is something he might not be able to grasp. It's like, Sh- shut up. <laughs> it's like, dude, come on here. So, guy gets five draft picks for him, and all of a sudden he thinks he's a superstar. Let's end this episode with a little news around the league. First and foremost, bad news for Danny Ainge and the Utah Jazz. Poor Danny. Danny doesn't get to fleece because the Knicks look now like they are facing a straight-up tampering charge over signing Jalen Brunson, which, let's face it, might be the most difficult thing to prove in the history of provability. And, duh, his dad works for the team. The guy who's running the team held Jalen Brunson when he was two weeks old. His former agent is running the team. His son of the agent is that's now running the team is his current agent. If you don't think that this thing is like all kinds of muddled to a point where I don't even know if you got access to their tech streams, whether they would, you would even be able to know what when was tampering and when wasn't. It's all tampering. The entire relationship is tampering. Players constantly lobbying with each other already. You've got executives that have relationships, especially with agents that turn into GMs that used to represent players that they're currently trying to acquire that they still have very much in their phone and good relationships with. Team execs casually running into players, casually running into other executives to make trades on the DL. Adam Silver, you gotta stop with this. And considering that the fact that the Knicks employed Jalen's father and that the GM is his best friend, I don't think you can prove this. The only thing, though, that won't surprise me is that Adam Silver is going to try to make an example out of the Knicks and probably take one first-round pick away. That's the silver lining since the Utah Jazz want all the Knicks first-rounders for Donovan Mitchell, the league just made it that much harder for Trader Danny to gouge. They call him the gouger for Trader Danny the gouger to fleece the Knicks and to gouge and truthfully makes it much harder for the Knicks to actually acquire Mitchell to play at MSG, which is what we know he wants to do cuz he's basically been on a tour of every New York sports team from the time his team got bounced out of the playoffs to I don't know, probably right when this podcast is airing. Moving on. Jovan Buha, one of the best in the game at the Athletic, dropped an interesting piece of kind of an all-around the league segment as well. Bunch of storylines around the NBA. One of the talking points I thought was interesting and I wanted to bring up was around Darvin Ham, the new Lakers head coach. And Joe Jovan Buha said that Darvin Ham, according to his reporting, has the complete power and green light to not only bench Russell Westbrook in the fourth quarter, but also remove Westbrook entirely from the starting lineup. Probably also removing Russell Westbrook entirely from the roster as well. Hey, just sit your ass at home. Um, but you know, to me, what this implies, I was like, wow, if this is being stated publicly, hey, Darvin Ham's got the green light. Whatever he wants to do as it relates to Russell Westbrook, he can do. Means that at the very least, there's a lot of confusion about Curtin Linda Rambis and where they were at in terms of using Frank Vogel as their little puppeteer. Puppeteer is the puppeteer. No, as their puppet. They were the puppet. Marionette. That's the one. Marionette. That implies to me that Frank Vogel had zero power. He was just, he was just a figurehead. He was in there to be the whipping post of shit went bad, where they're like, hey, Frank Vogel, just take your money, accept the money, stand up there on the podium, say what we tell you to say, and when you end up losing, we'll let you run. And you'll be the one that we blame it on, but that's what the nature of this relationship is. I don't see Darvin Hamm going for that shit. Knowing his background and what he did and where he comes from and the championship pedigree, coming from Milwaukee, no shot. He's like, listen, I'm not coming over here to just be your puppet, no shot. The bottom line to me with Russell Westbrook, which we know, and we've said this a million times, is that he can't be on the floor at the same time as Anthony Davis and and LeBron. Russ shot under 30% from three last year. He turned the ball over over four times a game. When Russ struggles and gets benched, what's he going to do? Is he going to take it well? What do you think? What do you think? It's only going to get more tense. So I think there's going to be a lot of Laker finger-pointing. I think we're going to hear more from Linda and Kurt Rambis. There's going to be chatter around that. Who knows what happens with our man Rob Palinka? Maybe he gets on the hot seat. And I'm not trying to pile on Russ because at one point, I think if he's the primary ball handler for a team, he can be very effective. But there's not that many teams that want him to be their primary ball handler because... In the case of him and Ben Simmons, you have to be able to shoot a jump shot effectively to be that. So, I don't know. What does that mean? Does it mean he thugs it out on the bench? He's just a guy, 12th, 12th, 13th man on the bench, just getting Gatorades for the rest of the crew? Is he now just bringing up team equipment on the bus? Is he just the rah-rah guy? I don't know. Does he get traded? Does he get bought out? Does he get traded and then bought out? Does he retire? But all I know is based on this reporting, Russ is not getting 35 minutes a game again, which is good for the Lakers, not good for Russ, and not great for Heat Check where there's lots of drama to cover. Finally, big news for the Heat Checkers. uh, I've been looking for this for a long time now. It's a hard thing to find. And something happened. It was just great fortune for me is that on Twitter – the thing that I have been trying to acquire for so long was up for sale—a PS5, folks, from Jeannie Bus herself, selling a PS5 for the low, low price of five hundred and forty dollars, all for charity. She only had three. I got one. I happened to get one of the PS5s. I haven't, uh, I haven't gotten the PS5 yet, but I, I paid the five forty, um and the problem was after that there was a a retweeted tweet from the lakers saying that Jeannie bus got her account hacked so so Jeannie bus before her account got hacked she was selling off all of her stuff she's sell, selling off all her ps5s i don't know what she was doing and you know wild that i that genie bus got hacked because you know me i got hacked for the shoe thing where I wanted a uh, free shoes and to be a shoe influencer. I'm not sure what ended up getting her hacked. And I'm not sure what the hackers password that they found was. Like to to me, do you think do you think her password was closer to Phil and Jeannie 0824 or Lakers Boss Bitch 2010, which was the last time the Lakers won a ring? Like to me, I think it's probably Lakers boss bitch, 2010. My girl, Jeannie Buss, got caught in the Nigerian print scam with the same photo of the PS5 that everybody else had when they got hacked. I DM'd her, and she DM'd me back in all seriousness. So when she gets her account back, we will have that interaction back and forth via DM, which means now I have access to her DMs moving forward. Just a little hack of my own trick. Once you ha- once you go back and forth with the celebrity, they cannot. You've met, you've had it. The interaction has happened. So maybe we'll get Jeannie Bus on the pod and ask her about those PS5s. That's all the time that we have for the heat check. So much to dissect there, we don't have time for it. Um, we'll be back. Jay Moore is putting them. In <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We've got uh, Kurt Rambis, and uh, with the for the low low price of five forty, you also get Russell Westbrook with a PS5. <laughs> <laughs> you also get uh, yeah, his, his shoes, his socks, and uh, him. So we'll be back Monday with a very, very special episode featuring the logo himself, Jerry West. We have two episodes that will come out. Um, we are currently in the process of making sure that the quality is as good as possible for you. Please do not forget to watch that, to share with your friends. Hopefully, this the quotes that got uh, we got from this interview will be something that we can get all over the NBA landscape. But in the meantime, please do not forget to download. Please subscribe. Please tell your friends. And follow us on social at, at thisheatcheck and at Trista Crick on TikTok and Twitter.